the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. For the forecast, I'm Cheryl Golden for AM860, The Answer. And I'm on. This is Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. We're coming at you on AM860, The Answer, and 97 point something FM, local station here in the Tampa Bay area. We're streaming live on Facebook, YouTube, and a couple other venues, uh, as well as my own. Uh, uh, website drbillradiomd.com so you can catch me anywhere and everywhere ken good morning how you doing buddy? good good, good morning sir how are you today you're looking you're good sounding good your, your voice excuse me good to hear your voice well thank you it's good to be heard yes <laughs> <laughs> it's good to be alive it is yes and we were talking off the air just a little while ago about how good it is to have you back here in the good old usa once you travel around the world a little bit, you get a little more appreciation for this country, I think. Yeah, well, you know, the Europeans look like they're doing pretty good. Uh, I'm not too worried about them, but uh, they certainly are grateful for at least the Europeans I've talked to for for America and for all that we have done for Europe over the what past one and a half centuries. Uh, you know, we really have changed the world, and we continue to, and they want us there. They want us they, they see us as a protector and um, a, a partner in their endeavors. So uh, all this stuff about the world hates us, that's just a bunch of nonsense, Ken. That's left-wing lunacy that's being propagated. And uh, I get sick of hearing it, but that's the way it is. So we just have to keep talking and hope that somebody hears. Yes, and get involved in politics. That's, well, that's another thing you really need to do, folks. That, that takes money and time, and it takes a real commitment, but uh, I think we're going to see some new faces, uh, especially at the senatorial level in the races because of some of the senators who voted for this uh, infrastructure bill, which some of which is a good thing. You know, there's no doubt about it, and not all of it is going to be enacted because the Congressional Budget Office has to rule on whether or not it's uh, cost-neutral or whether it's, if it's going to push up the deficit, then... It won't fly, but <clears throat> we talked about that a little bit last week, and we might touch on it again today. It is still out the there in the news, yes, sir. <laughs> here's the latest. Hackers compromised an FBI uh, email system on Saturday, yesterday. I hadn't heard about this yet. And sent tens of thousands of messages warning of a possible cyber attack, according to the agency and uh, security specialist. And it, it looked to be from a legitimate uh, FBI site. It was ic.fbi.gov. And uh, they said that they took that piece of hardware offline quickly. But, I mean, once it's sent, you know, I don't know how that yeah. changes things. But tens of thousands of emails were sent out. <laughs> <laughs> so the FBI is, uh, is now being hacked or at least one of their email Accounts has been hacked. Uh, urgent threat actor in systems. And so 
they're looking into that, and this was reported by Bloomberg News on Saturday. So we'll see what happens there, but uh, that should prompt the FBI to be a little bit more proactive in, in the security business. I think that's something we need to... I think our cybersecurity throughout, from top to the bottom of government, is not as uh, stringent as it should be. And also in the private sector, because you know, I've had multiple attacks or attempted attacks on my system. I've had uh, people try to get into my system from China, from Russia, and uh, they think that they're going to uh, freeze my system and, and demand a, a ransom for for releasing the system, you know, uh, but we, we don't have a server per se. Uh, and I've also got an excellent uh, firewall. I've got a sonic wall, which is pretty darn good. It's pretty complex, driving me nuts. <laughs> we, we changed the whole system over uh, the, our phone system a couple of days ago. And so I had the phone guy out there. I had the IT guy on the, on the phone with me. And then we had the Bright House or the Spectrum guy come out and put in, he put in a newer, faster uh, cable modem. And it's a pretty cool little piece of equipment. It's got its own uh, router on it, which then goes to my router. So it's a double router system. At any rate, it took me about a half an hour with my guy James helping me to enter in the new static IP addresses. So w what's an IP address? That is the number that you are given by a service provider like uh, Spectrum or somebody, which tells you what your address is in, in, in the computing world. So everybody's computer has an address, your computer, my computer, all of my computers. And then within the system itself, you have more IP sub-addresses. And so you get a range of IPs. Now, a static one is one that doesn't change, whereas a dynamic one changes every so often. The, uh, the system changes it. So we have to have static IP addresses, and we only have one, and we're hooking our phone system into the, the computer world rather than going over the Verizon telephone lines. So they're called SIP, S-I-P lines, Ken. You probably know about these. I've heard about them. Don't know anything about them. Wouldn't try to hook one up if I did. <laughs> I'd have somebody come in and do it. Yeah, you had somebody come in and yeah. do it because you have to have a piece of specialized equipment, but once you get hooked up, then you don't pay those four or $500 a month bills that uh, you incur as a business with multiple lines. And, and so now we have unlimited number of, of lines if we need them and plenty of access. And it all goes over the Internet. It doesn't go through the phone lines. So that's a good thing. So, But we had to have more than one static IP address in our uh, cable modem. So I had to get a, the upgrade, and it's got five IP addresses. Now, figure this out. It's a faster modem. I've got five static IP addresses, and it's half the cost of what I was paying before. <laughs> I can't. I just, I, you know, sometimes I don't understand. <laughs> and I had to push the salesman to give it to me, you know. Well, I don't think there's anything better, Doc. Yeah, there is. Give it to me. <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> we got it, baby. We got it. Yeah, somebody was taking some profit somewhere in that deal. So. Yep, somewhere somebody's making... So at any rate, my next-door neighbor uh, was lamenting climate change, and she was worried about the, the green turtles because she said that the uh, warmer climate is favoring female eggs over male eggs in, in the turtle population and that this may wipe out the whole species. And I'm like, 
where do you get this? Well, she got it off of the animal channel or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or she was watching some kitty show. And I said, Barbara, and she's going to beat me up for <laughs> for busting her like this. But she'll probably be knocking on the door in a few minutes. <laughs> well, no last names and you're okay. No, no last names. And so I said, is there any data to show this? I mean, it's what? Well, they said it on this show. It must be true. I'm like, wait a minute. Hang on here. <clears throat> Let's back up everybody. So Dr. Bill, being the busybody that he is, actually went and did some research. And the latest that I can find is from 2020. And uh, it's an abstract that I'm reading. And I'll just give you a couple of the highlights. But species that have temperature-dependent ter- determination often produce highly skewed offspring sex ratios. And so this was the uh, the backbone of this research project. And uh, so what these guys did, these researchers, is they actually tagged some male turtles off of Greece and followed them around. These guys are busy, Ken. Oh, <laughs> oh really? <laughs> busy boys. You know, I was thinking, if you can get a sex change operation, can can they do a species change? I'm thinking about jumping over <laughs> a green turtle because these guys, I mean, they got it made. So at any rate... The model produced a maximum likelihood estimate that males visit the breeding site 2.6 times more often than females, which was consistent with the data from satellite tracking. <laughs> All right, guys. Flipper tagging. Uh, you can tag my flippers if you want. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> and so the increased frequency of male breeding helped to ameliorate female-based hatchling sex ratios. And so their, their conclusion is, is that the effects of climate change on the viability of sea turtle populations are likely to be less acute than previously suspected. In other words, we ain't buying this crap, guys. Yeah. <laughs> climate change is not killing off the green turtles, or the blue ones either, from what I can tell. <laughs> All right. So, Stay away from the Internet. That's my advice. Well, and television. And, yeah. Uh, it really is tough to know what to believe and what not to believe these days. Well, you can believe Dr. Bill. Dr. Bill, we can believe, absolutely. You can believe us because we will tell you the truth. Well, as close as we can get to it. <laughs> <laughs> and we just fill in the blanks, right? Yeah, we do. We, You know, there's a couple little spots you got to kind of embellish just to make it sound better, but <laughs> we're doing it. So now we've got in, in South Korea, you know, we've got a presidential race coming up in March, <clears throat> and... Uh, the conservative candidate, Yoon Suk-yeol, Yoon Y-O-O-N, which is the family name. Um, in, in Korea, you put your family name first and then your given name after that. So uh, you identify yourself by your clan or your tribe uh, more than you do by your individual name, supposedly. That's all changing, of course. So he's a conservative guy, and he's he's proposing that uh, this multinational group that was supposed to meet, and I think it was Russia, China, Japan, South Korea, the United States, and North Korea to, to try to get the North Koreans to behave. He says, that's a bunch of baloney. Let's get Japan, the United States, South Korea, and North Korea, because these are the three countries, the four countries that, that are basically most uh, interested and most affected, and he wants to undo a lot of the liberal stuff that went on under Moon, who is the outgoing president. Uh, 
you know, it's not a good thing to be the president of South Korea. Almost all of them end up going to prison after their president. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know why anybody would want to do this, but apparently he does. And he's a former prosecutor, national prosecutor. And uh, he resigned as chief of prosecution so that he could run for president. At any rate, so he wants to do that, and he wants to uh, have better relationships with Japan because, you know, the Koreans are still hot under the collar about the way the Japanese have treated them over the centuries. And, you know, they invaded them back at the turn of the last century and held on to them for, what, almost 50 years, I guess, 40 years. And although they didn't commit the atrocities in Korea that they did in China because they looked at the Koreans as more or less their poor cousins. The Chinese, they just looked at them like slaves to do what you want with them. But uh, my wife's father actually uh, studied in, in Japan and spoke fluent Japanese. So uh, South Koreans could uh, excel and could go to Japan and go to college and, uh, you know, do all kinds of things. But uh, towards the end of the war, the Second World War, the, the country was really raped uh, by the Japanese. They didn't have the Japanese were running out of uh, materials like wood and metal. So the kids had to bring, uh, th this is interesting, Ken, uh, you had to bring your family's silverware in. So uh, if you didn't, then you'd get in trouble and, and the police may go to your house and knock on the door and say, hey, we want your silverware. So the kids had to bring it to school, so spoons and forks and knives, which were not in great abundance in South Korea at that time in the Korea Korean Peninsula because they still use chopsticks a lot and they still do uh, usually when you go to a Korean restaurant you get chopsticks and a spoon you get a spoon because uh, you have soup with your meal and well chopsticks really don't work that, very it's well kind of tough yeah <laughs> that doesn't do it <laughs> you'll so starve anyway. you'll starve trying to eat soup with chopsticks yeah yeah, yeah, and my brothers-in-law, they just pick up the bowl and drink it, uh, you know, well. which was fine with me because that's what I was doing. So they're like, hey, Hamilton eats like a Korean, which is true, <laughs> <laughs> like a sloppy Korean. <laughs> and the wives are wiping our mouths and all that. It's it's fun. But at any rate, so he's proposing that, that uh, the four countries set up uh, either – in the DMZ or in Washington, D.C., a place to sit down and talk and to reestablish dip diplomatic relations. There's no formal diplomatic relations now between North Korea and the United States and between North Korea and South Korea and between Japan and North Korea. Did you know that? There's no formal relations. Between, uh, really? Really. So. Uh, Nothing between North Korea and South Korea? Yeah, there's no formal. I mean, they're talking, but there's no formal relationship. There's no ambassador kind of thing going on? Nope, nope. They just, you know, I guess they shuttle. I don't know. Maybe they use paper airplanes back and forth across the DMZ. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how they're talking, but they are. But there's no formal relations. And we never signed a peace treaty with, with North Korea either. Right. We have an armistice agreement or a ceasefire or whatever you want to call it. Um, so... That is, you know, that's going to be big news. I mean, that's going to be a big deal if he wins and if he can't. And it looks like he might win because the country's sick of moon. North Korea would never go for it. You never know. I mean, I, they're they're having some trouble, and uh, who knows what's going to happen uh, with with all of that. It, it's possible that they will say at some point, 
you know, maybe we ought to cozy up a little bit more to our, our cousins in the South and see if we can have some of what they have, but we'll see. You never know. You never know. I mean, yeah. things happen. Things change. Look, look what happened when Mao died. Who would have thought that uh, Nixon would go over and uh, open up China and that we'd be China's biggest trading partner for the past 50 years? That is true. If you would have said somebody, you know, 70 years ago. No, I mean, people would have said never. You're crazy. Yeah. You're crazy. And speaking of, uh, of the president, uh, I got this. This came across my desk late last night. I can't vouch for the veracity of it, but... Uh, Judy Wallman Biden, a professional genealogy researcher, I'm reading this verbatim, in South Dakota was doing some personal work on her own family and uh, tree, and she discovered that President Joe Biden's great-great-uncle Remus, R-E-M-U-S Biden, was hanged for horse stealing and train robbery in Texas in 1889. <laughs> now, both Judy and President Biden share this common uh, ancestor. The only known photograph of Remus shows him standing on the gallows in Galveston, Texas. On the back of the picture, uh, Judy obtained during research, uh, was inscribed, Remus Biden, horse thief, sent to Galveston State Prison 1885, escaped 1887, <laughs> robbed the Galveston and Southern Flyer six times, <laughs> caught by Texas Rangers detectives, convicted and hanged in 1889. So Ju Judy recently emailed the president and, uh, you know, I asked for some information about their great-great-uncle Remus, and a few days ago, President Biden's staff sent this response back. Remus Biden was a famous cowboy in Texas in the 1880s. His business empire grew to include acquisition of valuable equestrian assets and intimate dealings <laughs> with the Galveston and Southern Railroad. Beginning in 1885, he devoted several years of his life to government service, finally taking leave to resume his dealings with the railroad in 1887. He was a key player in the vital investigation run by the renowned Texas Rangers in 1888. And in 1889, Remus passed away suddenly during an important civic function. <laughs> and the platform upon which he was standing collapsed. That is spin. That is real spin, Doc. I, now, I don't know if that's true or not, but, uh, you, I mean, whoever spun that. <laughs> that is professional spin right there, ladies and gentlemen. That is professional spin. You don't get any better that, than that. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, my God. I, you know, I just I couldn't believe it. <laughs> yeah, I picked up on that. And uh, now, now, the Chinese, uh, the, the Chinese ambassador to Malaysia, uh, he's set up a couple of phony Facebook websites, and he's pumping out all of this stuff about uh, India uh, uh, encroaching on China's territory and showing pictures from former uh, interactions between India and China up in the Tibet area that happened, what, 20, 30, 40 years ago? Who knows? And apparently he's trying to, or the Chinese government's trying to use this vehicle, the Facebook and YouTube and all that, as a means to convince uh, their own people that the Indians are a threat and also to convince uh, stupid Americans like me that uh, the poor Chinese are being picked on by the world. <laughs> we need to feel sorry for them, and I do, you know. <laughs> Come on, they're, don't laugh at them, Kev. They're I'm sensitive. sorry. They're sensitive I'm people. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, and so, anyway, this has become... 
an issue in some of the Asian newspapers, especially in India. You know, the Indians aren't happy about the Chinese posting pictures from two or three decades ago when there was a minor conflict and saying that this is an act of ongoing battle between India and China and that India is the aggressor. And so the Indians went out and bought a whole bunch of S-400 uh, surface-to-air missiles from the Russians, which apparently has Washington raising eyebrows because, of course, we want them to buy from us and not from the Russians. And so I don't know if that's going to play out. And so the, now we've got India <clears throat> making alliances with some of the other countries in the area to take a hard look at China and you know, kind of keep them in check. And Russia and China are holding joint military um, maneuvers. Yeah, that's for show. I think that's just for show. They don't really like each other. I don't think they do either because the Russians are now selling surface-to-air missiles to, to all the neighbors around yeah. China <laughs> and China. So somehow the Russians seem to be making out really well on this thing. They are selling to everybody. They've got everybody looking at everybody and kind of, you know, concerned and worried and little skirmishes here and there. Those Russians are pretty sneaky. Yeah, well, they're, they're trying to make some money. They're making money, baby. Yeah. And they're selling oil and gas, too. They're pumping gas. Yeah, they are. <clears throat> Not as much oil as we'd like them to pump. They would pump a little more. Prices go down. Yeah, especially if they turn that pipeline around and run it over the Arctic Ocean, send it to, well, we can't send it to Canada because Biden keeps cutting off all the pipes from Canada to the United States. So I don't know what the heck they're thinking down there in Washington or up there in Washington, rather. We're, over we're there, here. over there. Anyway. Over there, whatever. Yeah. I don't know. They, uh, it's not like this country doesn't have millions of miles of pipeline under it already. You know, come on. It's it, everywhere. It's everywhere. Yeah, it, it's safe. 99.99% of the time is no problem at all. So let's just, let's quit fiddling around. Let's get more pipelines and not less. And uh, listen, we're going to eventually move into another form of energy. Solar panel prices are coming down dramatically. So solar is getting cheaper and cheaper. And I'm and also the, starting to hear things about uh, some successful minor experiments with fusion technology. Yeah, that's coming up, and we'll talk about that in the second half of the show. But th this is another thing that China is uh, beating the drum about. They're, they want to get up to the moon and start mining uh, helium-3, which is a light helium <clears throat> that is actually expelled by the sun after it does its little fusion thing and makes all the energy. It spits out all this light helium, and it gets caught in the atmosphere uh, of the earth and it doesn't get down to us on the ground level but on the moon there's no atmosphere ken so it's bombarding that the little satellite constantly and there's all this helium three in the dust in the moon and so the chinese are like well we're going up there and we're going to mine that we're going to provide energy for the whole world <clears throat> of course you first you have to have a fusion reactor which well, is yeah. most, <laughs> no, no small feat no no small feat but uh they want to go up there, and of course, Elon Musk is uh, no doubt looking at it, and he he probably could get up there and do it before anybody else, you know, because he's he's not hamstrung by governments and bureaucracies and all that. I, I mean, this guy's amazing. How do you think we'll eventually handle that as a world? Because it, will we separate the moon into sectors? 
kind of like uh, East Berlin, West Berlin, or uh, more more accurately, more like the uh, the Antarctic, where everybody who wants to has a base. You know, I don't know, but uh, the, the bigger question is if you have a bar on the moon and you got all <laughs> these people coming in <laughs> from the United States and Russia and China and India. <laughs> How are you going to stop the fights? And, and, I, and it, will you really hurt anybody if there's no gravity? And one punch, and the guy just floats away. That's right. Yeah, I mean, you just punch somebody <laughs> and he bounces. Oh, my God. It'll be a fascinating time, I'm sure. It will. And you know what they plan on doing? I guess there are some caves and crevices on the moon, and they're going to um, actually build housing inside of those structures so that they can contain an atmosphere of some kind. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess it'll be out of hold locked doors like they have on the space stations and all that. But so you can walk cool. around without a suit on. That, that'd be nice. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I don't know how you uh, how you manage all that, but you're going to have to get heavy equipment up there. And then you're going to have to cook the the uh, uh, I don't know if you cook it or if you just load the dust up into a space shuttle and send it back. I don't know how they're going to do all that, but. It's fascinating to see, and I'm, I'm sure Elon Musk's little brain is just spinning away. Oh, my gosh. A giant slingshot. You slingshot it off the moon, you catch it at the Earth. You could do that. You have to have a little hole in the atmosphere to get it through, though. Uh, <laughs> but I guess we no, they're just details, Doc. Details. details. We'll work on those. That's right. Uh, yeah, well, and we got to work on that. That's important, Ken. These, these things have to be solved in advance because... We don't want Elon Musk to be overly burdened because he's got to think of more things to, to invent and do. That's right. He's got to get to Mars. He's, you know what? He's going to get there. I think if anybody will, he will, yeah. And he's talking about mining asteroids, too. He thinks there's gold in some of these heavy uh, asteroids, some of these iron asteroids. So he wants to go up and wrangle those suckers down. And I guess what do you do? You, you melt them down or what? Um, I'm not sure. I think the atmosphere would take care of a lot of that melting. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> As it speeds into the planet at, you know, 200 miles or 200,000 miles an hour or whatever. We wouldn't like that. No, so. that, that could be another not, detail we have to work on. Anything big. You know, <laughs> space cowboys. All right, let's work on these details while the news is running. What do you think, Doc? I'm all for it, buddy. I'll be right back. I'm Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. John Deere and union officials have reached a third preliminary contract agreement that workers who began striking four weeks ago will vote on soon. The United Auto Workers said the proposed contract with the agricultural machinery giant, quote, includes modest modifications to the latest rejected proposal, which included immediate 10% raises. The union describes the new proposal as the company's last, best, and final offer. An alliance of unions representing 50,000 Kaiser Permanente workers has called off the strike notice after reaching a tentative labor deal with the health care network. Both sides announced the agreement yesterday, staving off a walkout tomorrow. And a man who was wrongly convicted with boxer Reuben Hurricane Carter in a triple murder case has passed away. John Artis was 75 years old. This is SRN News.
Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical, located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Full service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical, home of can care, 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Dr. Bill here. With social distancing and sheltering in place, telemedicine is here. Bay Area Medical Home of Can Care Clinic offers telemedicine for new and established patients. You can see me without an office visit. Schedule an appointment at 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. When it's time for your appointment, type this web address into your cell phone or computer web browser, doxy.me forward slash Bay Area Med. A cell phone works well and is all you really need. For computers, you need a web camera and speakers. We'll give you this address when you call for your appointment. We accept most insurances and travel insurances. Canadians and visitors, please call your travel insurance company for an authorization number prior to the visit. Co-pays and deductibles apply. Self-pay rates are available. Just ask. We accept credit cards, PayPal, and Stripe. 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Dr. Bill here. My friends at St. Pete MRI and Sleep Diagnostics are your best choice for state-of-the-art MRI, CT, and sleep studies. Quality unsurpassed. 25 years experience makes St. Pete MRI my go-to imaging center. Self-pay rates are competitive and out-of-pocket cost a fraction of a hospital. Conveniently accessible from both sides of the bay at 750 94th Avenue North, St. Pete, near the Gandhi, 727-577-2220, 727-577-2220. If 2020 taught us anything, it's you can't predict the future. No daily horoscope or full moon is going to determine your path of success. At National Aviation Academy, you can learn to work on and maintain aircraft in as little as 14 months. Call 800-659-2080 or visit wingmenwanted.com. A fortune cookie can't predict your future, but you can control your destiny. Visit wingmenwanted.com. For more information about our statistics, visit naa.edu slash consumer information. There is an answer to the mess we are in today in this country. There's a reason so many young people are being led astray. We have to fight back and protect the country we know and love. There's one who knows the way out of this mess. Charlie Kirk has the answer. He's relentless. He will not stop till he reaches every person who will hear. Listen to him every day, everywhere you find podcasts. The Charlie Kirk Show. Now on a podcast near you. The event you've been waiting for, International Diamond Center's semi-annual sale, is happening next weekend, November 19th, 20th, and 21st. Extra savings store-wide, lowest prices all year, plus 36 months, zero interest financing, and it's like double the selection. All the industry's top designers flying in with their entire collections, all of it on sale. Plus, over a 1,000 new diamonds have been purchased just for this event. Don't miss the lowest prices before the holidays. Not this weekend, next weekend. November 19th through the 21st at IDC and Tampa Clearwater and Lakeland on approved credit. AM 860, The Answer. Online at TheAnswerTampa.com. Odyssey. Here is your exclusive AccuWeather forecast. Today, lots of sunshine, high 70, clear tonight, low 53. Nice and sunny tomorrow, high 74, clear tomorrow night, low 53. For Tuesday, pleasant with lots of sun, high 77, clear Tuesday night, low 61. Plan with confidence. 
Download the Redesign AccuWeather app today. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Cheryl Golden for AM860, The Answer. some problems with the radio station equipment. Robert was supposed to fix that. Who the hell is he? <laughs> that I'm not, guy. I'm, I'm not sure it's us this time, Doc. I think it's the, No, it is. I think it's the uh, the internet doing it to us. Oh, okay. Well, whatever. But at any rate, we got back. We're on phone. Ken says he doesn't think it's a radio station. He's blaming the internet. So... Those of you who are watching on Facebook and YouTube, you can't hear him, but I'll relate anything specifically important he has to say. So you'll be saying that I rarely say anything important, so don't worry about me, Doc. Well, I I always worry about you, Ken. Ken says he rarely says anything (laughs) important, but I couldn't do the show without him. He's become an integral part of it, and I love him. And uh, by the way, you know, I was talking with with Steve and, and, uh, and Mary, our marketing people and they just think that we're a wonderful team and i know everybody out there who's listening to the show enjoys it too everybody ask about you ken well i, I so I, this is a, my favorite hour of the day in broadcasting in my life this is the one i like this is the hour i i, I wait for it every is, week it is fun it's fun yeah uh, ken said this is the best hour of, of radio he does so that's that's good that makes me feel good yeah i love it so we were talking yeah it's great it's great it's fun so I, we were talking about uh, the uh, helium free uh, being uh, mine, and it, you know the problem is now with fusion is that when you use a hydrogen and a deuterium, hydrogen is the simplest atom. Uh, Ken, it's it's one neutron uh, or one proton and one electron, and then you can add a neutron to it, and make it. A proton is a charged particle. That's the center of the atom, and then the electron is a negatively charged particle that. Uh, circulates around it. Um, so if you think of it as, uh, you know, a, a, a solar system with one sun and one planet going around it, that's that's helium. Only it's infinitesimally small, and you know, there's no way you can even see it. We just we have figured this out by indirect detection. And uh, but what the uh, fusion does is it superheats up to like a million degrees Kelvin. I don't know how the hell you get to a million degrees Kelvin, Ken. I just, it's beyond my uh, comprehension to think of how we do that. But apparently they're using lasers, and then you have to add pressure. And uh, get these uh, 
these elements, these simple elements up to high temperatures, the electrons will, will be detached from the proton. And then uh, you have what's called plasma, where you have free-floating protons and electrons, and then things can happen. You can smash things together. So if you smash a hydrogen and a deuterium, which is a hydrogen with, a, with an extra proton, uh, you can make more energy and heat. But the problem with that is it kicks out a neutron. And when you kick out a neutron, they don't have a charge, Ken. So they are, there's nothing to stop until then. They will just keep going. So they will tear up uh, the reactor uh, housing material. And you have to have, uh, you have to devise something to capture these. And uh, neutrons will damage humans as well. And uh, you've heard of neutron bombs, I'm sure. So... Where do you, you know even find where do you find material that can handle those kind of temperatures? I mean, those are extremely high temperatures. Uh, you know, they they use magnets and they they suspend this stuff. When they get it in, into the plasma state, it's easier to manipulate it with magnets, so they can use electromagnetic force to keep this stuff suspended, uh, and it's not touching anything around it. And then they can com- compress it and heat it. Uh, they use lasers and they use you can use nuclear uh, fusion to heat this stuff up. I mean, there's different ways to do it, but it, 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 it's a big deal. I mean, it's a lot of work, and we've been working on fusion reactors for over 40 years now, and we still haven't perfected it. Well, it's the holy grail but of energy, really. It is, at least for, for this century. I'm sure we'll find something even better and that will take even more high technology uh, in, in, the, in the next couple of hundred years. Who knows? Um we may even just morph ourselves into computers, and uh, then we won't need energy because we'll live better in the coldest space. We can just fly away and do whatever we want. <laughs> at any rate, so we're, we're looking at helium-3, which is an isotope of helium, because helium is, is a, an atom or an element with, with two protons and two electrons. So it's a fairly simple atom, uh, just one step up from a hydrogen atom. And if we smash these two together, superheat them and compress them, then we get uh, a, a normal helium and uh, we release a proton. I mean, a neutron, a neutron. No, I'm sorry, a proton. Now, the proton's charged, right? It's got an electrical charge on it. So it doesn't go very far. It can be stopped easily. If something has a charge on it, you just put a negative charge on the outside and it captures it. That's the end of it. So it's uh, much easier to handle, uh, requires less shielding, and produces the same amount of energy as smashing together a hydrogen and a deuterium or a heavy hydrogen and a normal hydrogen uh, atom together. So, so this is a fascinating uh, technology, and as we were talking about before the break, this is all uh, uh, dependent upon us being able to mine large quantities of helium-3, which we think are on the moon. Well, we don't think we know it because we brought samples and dust back from the moon, and that's been analyzed over the decades. And we know there's helium-3 up there. So we got the space race going on to get to the moon, not to put a man on the moon, put factories on the moon. So this is going to be fascinating. We'll see how quickly we can do this. And we'll see whether governments are going to do it or private enterprise or hybridization. I would guess that even the Chinese are going to have to use some private industry from their country and 
uh, maybe we'll do it as a joint venture with, with uh, the big uh, powers that have the ability to, to put men in space. And India, I think, is now uh, uh, has put a man in space. And, of course, China has been doing it for, what, a decade, decade and a half. The Russians, the Americans. And, uh, of course, we have partnered up with Great Britain and France and Germany and everybody else in, in the European area. And some of the some of the South American countries, too, I think we had a, a Brazilian uh, astronaut ten with the NASA mission at one point. Wouldn't surprise me. So, but they're not launching anything. Yeah. It, it, we're the only ones still pretty much launching. Uh, China, us, and Yeah, Russians. we're launching. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now India, they're, they're in it. They're in the mix, too. Um, launching people? Are they launching people already? I thought they were launching satellites, but I didn't know they were launching people or astronauts and like, yeah, I think they had yeah. one. I think they had uh, one man, one or two manned missions. Right. So we'll see how that turns out. But you know, we can really, uh, we can really get together with all these powers if we need to. The question is, is how's this going to affect the uh, ecology of the Earth? Are, are we going to mine enough to change the weight of the moon? And if we do, I don't think we will. But if we do, is that going to affect its orbit? Is it going to escape the Earth? faster i mean it's slowly moving away from the earth anyway yeah about a quarter inch a year you, so we uh it's, it's not running away yeah no it's not running away but we don't want to get ken said about a quarter of an inch a year and, but it does yeah, it does but, affect but, the uh it does affect the seasons so we you're right we should yes it affects take a look our at seasons that. and our tides so we have to take a look at that because if, without the moon there's no tides and a lot of species depend upon tidal movement and uh, we'd have water piling up at the at the uh, uh, at the equator. If there's no moon to pull it around, it's all going to go to the to the belly of the planet, which is the equator. And so, then what are you going to do? Well, you'll have a lot of water stacking up there, and the other parts will be, I guess, dry. Also, uh, you have to consider if it, if it never gets uh, warm in the breadbasket of the, the United States, you're going to have a little food problem, too. So the moon's very important. Yeah, and the moon's important. And Ken was saying, uh, how will this affect uh, the uh, temperature of the planet? And will this interfere with, with food production? And, of course, by that time, we may be mining or, or um, agriculture on the moon. Who knows? We might have agriculture in outer space. might be easier to grow and probably probably plants would grow faster and bigger too so i don't know but we will see but i'm sorry go ahead ken like i said to get all the sunshine they need out there so <laughs> yeah they're getting plenty of sunshine out there ken says and i agree yeah so the abundance of helium-3 is thought to be greater on the moon than the earth and even much more so in the in the solar system's gas giants but i don't know how the heck we, we would mine a gas giant <laughs> that, that yeah would be, that's the tough one but I understand that that there, are some, there are some planets in the, I guess they think there are some planets that actually where it rains diamonds because of the pressure. Oh, I, want to go, I want to go there. <laughs> well, just briefly. <laughs> yes. No, the, the pressure would crush you before you ever got close to a diamond, I think. Yeah, the pressure would crush you if it, Ken was saying that there are some planets where the pressure is so high that, uh, that it rains diamonds, that the carbon in the atmosphere is squashed into into crystal and diamonds and uh, apparently they're pretty good quality too i know a friend of mine's been marketing some of those <laughs> someday they will 
that's what you were trying to say. The German side of the thing, we'll get into that. At any rate, so the levelized cost of energy, cost per megawatt hour, uh, the most expensive at this point is, uh, is uh, propane. And nuclear is, fa- nuclear is fairly expensive, Ken. Uh, but the, the thing is, is it's, uh, uh, it's uh, so easy to, once you get the, the plants built, it's so easy. You don't have to refuel them very often. Coal is expensive, uh, but not as expensive as, as uh, thermal and nuclear and, and propane gas. But natural gas, are you still there? Oh, yeah. Okay, good. Natural gas is pretty cheap right now and getting cheaper. Well, it was until until we had this worldwide energy crisis and Biden didn't know what to do about it. But at any rate, it's pretty cheap. Uh, wind and solar are coming down tremendously in price as production of solar panels and and wind turbines have picked up. You know, that's just an economy of scale. The more you make, uh, the cheaper things get. So that's come down considerably. Of course, you're dependent upon the sun shining and the wind blowing. So we need multiple sources of energy. And uh, the the use of fusion uh, is really something that, that is the promise of the future. And I think that it's possible that we can do this. It's going to take a little bit more work. But now, Ken, there is a group out of, I believe, Alabama called the Artemis Project. A-R-T-E-M-I-S, and you can Google that. It's a cooperative effort of a team consisting of the Artemis Society International, commercial companies, and affiliated organizations. And their whole purpose is to, they are in Huntsville, Alabama. Their whole purpose is to uh, get to the moon and and start mining and 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 do some other projects like this. So they are working on this, and you can join the Artemis group. It's all volunteer, and I guess they beg money from some of the corporations. I'm sure Elon Musk is involved with that. I, I, I can't imagine he would not be. I would think so, yeah. And who's because the other one? Bezos is probably in that, too. They're both doing this. So, Yeah, Bezos, he's, he's, he doesn't have the, the mind or the expertise or the, uh, or the infrastructure that, that – uh, that Elon Musk has. Yeah, so Bezos seems more interested in building hotels or something out there, you know? Yeah, and, and you know, that's fine. He, he's, he did a great thing. I mean, he came up with a great idea in the 90s and, and turned it into a gazillionaire business. Good for him. That should be broken so, up today, in my opinion. <laughs> in your opinion. Yeah. So for 40 years now, uh, well, Ken said he thinks that uh, uh, Amazon should be broken up you know what? Uh, you can probably get some things cheaper at Sam's Club or Costco. Um, and if you go directly to uh, to China, well, it used to be before these new tariffs were imposed under Trump, you could get things a lot cheaper, even with the cost of shipping. Well, now you can't get it because of shipping. I told you, Ken, I ordered uh, four or five uh, power packs for my LED sign that I bought in China. And of course, everything comes from China. So I Googled the Internet, and I just found somebody who was selling them, and I ordered them. And that was about four or five months ago. <laughs> yeah. They finally showed up. Oh, they good finally for you. Showed and, uh, but, you know, that just shows you how protracted and how slow uh, the supply chain is right now because of all of the 
uh, problems we're having with shipping and manpower and trucking and storage. And, and theft you know, you now. I was, I was reading just today, as a matter of fact. The theft that's going on in these uh, shipping yards with all these containers sitting on the dock is incredible. I think it was in the third quarter, in the third quarter last year, somebody they said one one port lost five million dollars in merchandise just from theft, just from people breaking in and taking out the, the you know the computers and the TVs and stuff. Amazing. I know. It, well, it, I, it, it, it's and you listen. It's everywhere. We were in we were in ports and. In Italy and Croatia and Greece and uh, uh, Spain and uh, I mean there are containers sitting everywhere and they were moving them around. I don't know why they were moving them around, but a big machine would come and pick them up and move them to the other side. I'm like, what are you guys doing? Here? <laughs> got to keep but, the boys busy. Come on. <laughs> yeah, you got to give them something to do. But you look at uh, you look at Long Beach, which is the big port out in, in, in L.A. I mean, it's probably the what the largest port in the country right now. And you look at that, and there's nowhere to put a container. There is no room. You can only stack them so high, and then they'll crush the ones beneath them. So what are you going to do? I mean, the ships are sitting out there, and they're loaded. God, I hope there's no perishables. I guess bananas are pretty much out for the yeah, I would, for the I would, winter. I would think so. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think they're pretty much gone for so a while. So is this a trucking issue now? It's trucking, unloading. Uh, of course, you can't get crews to you, – how are you going to find people who want to work night shift? I mean, you got night shifts in China because you, there's so many people and there's such a demand. Uh, but uh, in the United States, people don't work nights. They won't work a night shift. Even Sunday they're having and trouble now, getting people to work on Sundays. And Sundays they're having trouble getting people to work. We're having trouble getting people to work, period. Yeah. We had two people apply for a back office job, Ken, and they both said that they were coming. Neither one of them showed up. Neither one of them showed up. Well, you and didn't want them you know anyway. They're, they're obviously irresponsible. So, Well, but we got to have some warm bodies to take, you know, blood pressures and all that. I mean, I don't know what to do. I can't do it all. Well, I can, but I don't want to <laughs> anymore. So. Well, you have, very, <laughs> anyway, you have a confident staff. I've dealt with them. They're very good. Okay, okay, good. Well, I'm glad that you're happy with them, and I'll pass that on. They all quit on Friday, though. <laughs> Even the no, wife? they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> she threatened. <laughs> then I said, hey, you want to take another trip, baby? You better stay on the job. So she, she's still there. So we're happy. But uh, this is a true story, Ken. We had a woman that worked at our office Five years ago, she worked three or four months, and one day she just didn't show up. We called and everything, and we sent her notices, nothing. And guess what? She files for unemployment benefits <laughs> to get them from us, from our account, <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, wait a minute. What is, hold on. Somebody help me here. Help me here. No, ma'am, you quit. I'm sorry. So I, You know, I don't know how you... I don't know how you uh, handle all this and make all this work. It just is utterly fascinating, fascinating to me that people actually uh, uh, actually think they can. And the, the thing is, is the state keeps sending the same thing back, and they say uh, we're going to pay these benefits unless you protest it. And we say, well, we've already protested it on one we had to send three or four times. Maybe they're short of staff at the state level too. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. It's, maybe. Or maybe they're just incompetent. 
and then film it. They're confident. Confident. And that's an oxymoron, dude. Of course they're confident. They're the government. And it's like all these doctors were upset years ago when, when we finally started getting fingerprinted. And now you have to be fingerprinted if you're a doctor and you want to get Medicaid or Medicare or whatever. I forget which one it is. And the doctors were all upset. We're not criminals. And, blah, blah, and they're carrying on and yelling and screaming. Said, what do you think is going to happen to all these fingerprints they take? You're going to stick them in a file up in Tallahassee. And nobody will ever know where they are. They won't be able to find them for a decade. Hell, you'll be dead by then. You know, it's just ridiculous. They probably never but, needed uh, them ever. Never. Yeah. Well, you know, once in a blue moon, you get a sociopath who applies for a state license and uh, who has a criminal record somewhere else. But, you know, the 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 system's gotten so good now. The FBI's gotten the, the, the computers up and uh, almost every crime that's uh, of any importance is in the federal uh, computer system. So you can do background checks. Now, you cannot do a background check uh, on somebody if you are, uh, are not a, a certain level of authority. So you can't get an FBI check unless you are a business uh, or a government entity or a police department. But at the state level, you can get it. And you go to the Florida Department of Law Enforcement, you pay your 35 bucks and put in the name and social security number and all the information you can about a person, and you can find out if they have a record. And that's pretty that's pretty easy to do. So we can do that, and uh, we have the ability to check on people. But the the idea that fingerprints uh, for doctors is a bad thing, I'm I'm not sure I agree with that. I I thought it was a good thing. I'm all for it. Any rate, well, it depends what happens with media. that. It depends what happens with that information, you know. But is it going? Yeah, they, I mean, are they know, sending it to the FBI? Not that I know of. Yeah. It's at the state level. But if you, but you got to remember now, Ken. Uh, even though our medical licenses at a state level are DEA licenses, a federal license, mm. so we are both state and federally regulated. Um, we are so overregulated. Oh my god! <laughs> it sound like it, yeah. It, it's just unbelievable. You have to hire people just to, just to handle the regulations, don't you? We, just, yeah, we do just and, to do the paperwork. And, you know, got to do the pa- and with these vaccines now, you know, you're supposed to enter everything into the state database, which then goes to the CDC. Uh, not not necessarily your name, but the statistics go to the CDC on the on all the vaccinations, and so we're doing course, the COVID, as I've said before, uh, the COVID-19 vaccine, we got both Moderna and Pfizer, although they're the same county, you know, doesn't really matter, but we've got that and you can actually come in, uh, get that at our office, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. We have the rapid COVID testing too, so you can get that if you're going to go on an airplane and test on in and see us. Ken, I'm going to get out of here, buddy. Let you play some music. All right, Doc. I'm gone. Doc, have have a great week. We'll we'll catch you next week, buddy. Great show. Thank you. You too. Get Robert to look at that board. (laughs) Doc, (laughs) Doc, see you later, buddy.
Thank you for listening to Dr. Bill, your radio MD. Join Dr. Bill every Sunday morning at 9 for more insight, information, provocation, and fun. Dr. Bill Handelman practices in St. Petersburg, Florida at Bay Area Medical Can Care Clinic, 6399 38th Avenue North. For your convenience, telemedicine appointments are available. Call his office today at 727-384-6411. That's 727-384-6411. Or visit his website at Clinic. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.